Rick Jensen. On 1150 AM, 1017FM, WDEL. There are millions of people in this country who are just suffering from the anxiety of getting back to wherever it is. Do you have a news story? There are seriously hundreds of thousands of people in this country, at least, who have said, I'm not going back to the office. I'm going to quit my job. Quit your job? Well, good for you that there are so many opportunities out there. People are kind of freaking out when they go to a store and they see some people wearing masks, other people not wearing masks. Dr. Jerry Lynn is a psychologist, um, and and I'm going to introduce you this way. I hope you don't mind because I think it's meaningful. Uh, she grew up in the open-air drug market of Kensington in Philly and uh, physically unscathed mentally. Well, <laughs> why, really why she went and got a, uh, a Ph.D. in psychology and... And, and Jerry, I love you. I just like the way you're straightforward. You say it the way it is, and you say it the way you feel, and you, you don't have any pretenses of, about you or what you do, but you do help people. I love that. No, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I try to keep it real. I mean, that's one of the benefits of being from Philadelphia. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, right. so you've been talking to a lot of people who are having anxieties, getting back into the workplace, going back out there and not wearing a mask. What are you hearing? Well, I I feel like I'm hearing a mixed bag. Um, Some people are happy about it. And, you know, they I just talked to a colleague who was able to go to a happy hour last night and she felt really great about that and and felt, quote unquote, human. again. Yeah, yeah. um, Which I thought was which was great to hear. And then you talk to other people who are still kind of dipping their toe in the water a little bit and and. um, you know, a little hesitant and apprehensive and a little unsure. Um, and then you hear about the folks that are like, nope, not happening, no way, not ready, not doing it, no way, don't care. So I feel like there's kind of like three buckets of people that I've been seeing a lot of um, recently, for sure. You know, I don't feel like anybody should be guided, told, or directed to feel a certain way about it. If you want to wear a mask, fine, wear a mask. I mean, I got a buddy of mine says, I want to wear a mask when I go to the grocery store. I want to wear a mask when I go to the bank. I hope they let me. Because I didn't get a cold and I didn't get the flu. And he has gotten the cold and the flu many, many times. And he just likes the idea that he didn't get sick. I, I mean, I kind of, I appreciate that. And I and I like that. I think I was reading an article um, that said a lot of the southern states, since a lot of the, you know, guidelines or protocols or whatever have been have been lifted, that a lot of people are starting to, starting to get like upper respiratory infections. Like your, your cold or, you know... Um, I don't want to say the flu because we're not really in the crux of flu season, but since a lot of the mandates have been lifted, more people have been getting sick. So it's it's interesting to see that kind of unfold and happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't listen. I'm not going to knock anybody for for one second for still wanting to to wear a mask. But myself, I still feel really weird. Um, and I've been trying to do some gradual exposure, um, going out in public, even though I'm fully, you know, vaccinated without my mask, I almost feel like I'm still doing something wrong. Um, especially when I see people that I know wearing a mask, looking at me and talking to me. And I just almost wonder if they're thinking like, what, what the heck is she doing? Like, why is Jerry Lynn like not, not wearing a mask? Doesn't she, (laughs) doesn't she have the same ideals and, you know, worldview as me like what the heck is she doing so I'm still trying to work through that um which has been really interesting for me to kind of like analyze myself 
and how my reaction has been to to the world opening back up again. It's interesting. It's, uh, my approach has been outward, uh, thinking about you, not you personally, but people in general. What's your comfort level with a mask? How do you feel about this? I'm perfectly happy not to wear a mask. I'm vaccinated, and I'm doing my best to eat healthy. Sure, I mm-hmm. cheat. I, I cheat on food, but yeah. <laughs> and, and you know... And that's all I feel I can do. I don't want to walk around in a mask or a space suit or something for the rest of my life because, well, even though in the last year you and I and everyone else was conditioned to wear a mask, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the vaccine should be the golden ticket. And now that I am fully vaccinated, I am ready to use my golden ticket. Here, here's my golden ticket. I want to go out and enjoy life. But I'm not going to slam you for it because I understand there are a lot of people um, – who feel uncomfortable. And I imagine that there's a lot of subtle aspects uh, of these social situations and people don't know how to behave. I ask, what's your, what's your comfort level with a mask? There you go. Beyond that, I don't know how to behave. I mean, that's just it. So, so what are some of these, maybe if there are these subtle aspects of uh, these social situations? Yeah. It's so, it's so neat that you kind of bring that up because I'm reading about it because I'm, I'm interested in this type of stuff. So I went on to, and, and it's kind of a site that I referenced, um, more of like an everyday psychology type of site. It's called Very Well Mind. So I like to go on there and like check out their articles. And there was like a list of kind of like all of these different things that people are dealing with now that they're going back in person um, and engaging in more social activities post-COVID. And one of the things, well, there's a couple of things, and we can definitely talk about a lot of them, but to kind of like go off of what you were saying, one of the things was like literally feeling more self-conscious than usual um, regarding like how you carry yourself in public and like what you do. And another thing is like kind of like overreacting to what other people do. So, like, I've heard stories, kind of like nightmares, of people that have gone back out into the world and have chose not to wear a mask, but have gotten literally scolded and reprimanded from strangers, like in the middle of Walmart, yeah. um, or in the middle for like not not you know wearing a mask, even though technically they can, and. You know, in reading the article, but then hearing the stories to back it up, I'm like, wow, like that, that's a thing. Like that kind of stuff is really happening. So um, I, I almost think that people have to learn how to act again. Like you need to learn how to be a civilized person because so many people have zero filter. They're saying what they want. They're acting how they want. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've been isolated for so long that they haven't had a filter. And now that they're going back out in public, they're just kind of letting it fly. And a lot of that too is I think compounded and compacted by the fact that there are a lot of people out there that are unhealthy mentally right now. They're not feeling well. Um, Things aren't going well for them. They may be a little depressed. Again, we're talking about anxiety. So, like, being able to self-filter is, like, way on the back burner. Yeah. So people are kind of just acting out a little bit. Right. By the way, if you're listening, if uh, you have a question for Dr. Jerry Lynn, 302-529-1017, 302-529-1017. Anything about, you know, getting back out there and uh, any sort of social anxieties. And to your point, producer Randy and I were watching a video the other day. Randy, do you remember what store it was where there's a guy inside a store and you have to wear a mask in the store? Still, some other guy came to the store and said, the mandate's off. We don't have to wear masks. And the guy in the store had a bat. 
you, you, you just, I don't know if Ray wow. remembers. The guy in the store had a bat. He comes out and attacks the guy with a bat, and then the bat falls away, and then they get into a fist fight outside the store. Yeah, it sounds like they've been hanging out in Kensington a little too long. Um, <laughs> right. I, I mean, it's just, yeah. I, and, and that that kind of just goes to the fact that, like, people are, are and I'm, I, I use humor a lot, so, so I apologize if I'm, like, offending anyone, you know, any of the listening audience. But I have, like, a really sick, dark sense of humor. So even though that story is kind of messed up because people are getting hurt. It, it, it kind of laughing about it kind of is a, is a coping strategy for me, but then it also kind of speaks to how to really how crazy people, um, and that's the clinical term, have gotten as far as how they're supposed to appropriately behave and interact and how scared and how fear really has has guided some really unhealthy behaviors, um, even out in public with with complete strangers. Oh yeah, you get, I see the dirty looks and go home, fump, fump. I'm not wearing a mask or whatever. I've seen people do that to other people, things like that. But now it sounds like you're kind of like talking about something else, which is uh, people becoming oversensitive over and, and hyper vigilant, and you know maybe even overreacting to things that other people. Are, are doing so I'm wondering you know what are some of the examples of that and what can folks uh, like as individuals what should what should be your approach what should people be thinking and doing so I think it kind of um, it kind of goes along a little bit with social psychology so I hate that you know it's it, maybe it's a silly expression or it's an expression but like stay in your lane a little bit um, try to kind of in your mind, maybe do like a self check. Like, is this how I would have acted or something that I would have done pre COVID? And if you're checking the box, yes, then nine times out of 10, chances are you, you're probably struggling or not doing too well or had some significant, you know, stuff going on beforehand. But if, if you check that box and you do that little like mental health check where you're like, no, I totally wouldn't have acted like that in public, you know, pre COVID, then maybe take your pre COVID advice. So there's like a lot yeah. of things in psychology, like, like if I were to write a letter to my future self, you know, what would I write? Like, I kind of want you to go backwards in that mentality and be like, Hey, what, how would you would, how would you have acted before this? And if that answer doesn't coincide with the action that you're about to engage in, um, I would definitely kind of, kind of check, check yourself a little bit. But the other thing is too, is it's, it's kind of like what I've been doing for myself. Cause I really, I'm not one to talk about what you should be doing or how you should be doing things. If I'm not one that kind of practices what I preach. So try just like a little bit of gradual exposure. Don't feel like you have to dive in the pool head first and see how you feel. If you're feeling some type of way and you're not feeling well, pump the brakes, take a break, be like, okay, that's what I did today to test myself out there in the world. And I pushed myself to my limit. And now I'm going to kind of revert back in home and, 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 you know, think about it and strategize and try it again. Okay. So baby steps, like if you want to be around your friends or you just want to be around other people and it's kind of hard though, because you're worried about it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Another thing too, that I've seen Rick, and I don't, I don't know if you've seen this, but like weird, like inappropriate kind of like oversharing um, about things that you have going on inside of like a work type of environment. So I have um, 
my best friend, actually, she's a, she's a nurse and um, she works, you know, with a lot of other nurses. And some of the nurses that she works with are psychiatric nurses, they're behavioral health nurses. And she was telling me a story because she kind of manages a group of nurses of how in particular, I don't know why I'm calling attention to this, but this psychiatric nurse, you know, these nurses are those that work with people who really have are struggling, you know, psychologically, psychiatrically. Um, got herself into a bit of a bind internally for oversharing a lot of terrible things that were happening in her personal life. How so? I mean, like what, on Zoom meetings or in person? No, like like um, with like upper management because she was kind of going through some type of a training or, or something that she had to do, and she had to be on calls and participate in these trainings at certain times with these other nurses. And my friend is one of the clinical nurse, kind of like she's an educator. And she starts kind of engaging, you know, with, with my friend who in essence is somebody that, that that's higher up than her mm-hmm. and is talking about, you know, her terrible POS of a um, ex-husband or, or about to be ex-husband and just starts to kind of talk to her in a way as if she's talking to a friend about her POS husband and the custody battle she's in and how terrible it's been for her. And that's why she was 15 minutes late for a meeting. Wow. I mean, that's the conversation you have one-to-one with a Cosmo. Exactly. So like that is just one example of, of many that I've kind of heard more recently, just about people oversharing. Listen, I'm all about helping people out and, and being supportive. But in those types of scenarios, I think it's really important too to kind of check yourself. Well, you know, and, and, and why, people, why is that, uh, Geraldine? Is that because um, they've been like cooped up for, for so long, more so than not, even if they've been able to go out to, and work at the hospital, they've been otherwise cooped up and they've lost some of their social contacts? No, I just think I think the amount of stress and pressure, especially when it comes to our healthcare providers and even our mental health providers, it's just we're we are being stretched like a rubber band that's about to completely snap. And that's just in my opinion and with that specific scenario, that's where she is. I mean, think about what a psychiatric nurse does. Yeah. Right. And think about you know, think about the fact that you know, in addition to coming out of a of a medical, you know, of a of a of a pandemic that's medical in nature, we have a a way bigger pandemic on top of that that will far outlive the residual effects of COVID itself, which is a mental health crisis across the United States now. I absolutely and even in other countries. No, I absolutely agree. I've read so much about this as well. Uh, nurses, respiratory therapists, techs, doctors having PTSD from that last year. They were there when people were dying and the relatives were not even allowed in. And far too often, you know, these people who are caring for others in the medical field were the last person to see them. And uh, men and, and women, I mean, they've been crushed by this because mm-hmm. they, they they were there. The family was not allowed to be there. They tried to save these people's lives. They couldn't save these people's lives. It used to be that, you know, if you worked in, uh, in the mental health uh, business, like, you know, even... A, psychiatric nurse, nurse rather, uh, especially somebody like yourself who's a psychologist, about once a month or so, you go and visit a friend of yours who's also in the business. You can unload all of this, <laughs> you know, toxicity and, and horrible things you've heard from other people because it can weigh you down. Now, it seems to me that anybody and everybody working in a hospital situation 
needs to be able to have that available to them for free because this last year, this pandemic has been such a trying time psychologically. Does that make sense? Oh, oh it makes total, absolutely. And another thing that you said, you know, you talked about like for, for somebody like me being able to kind of like just verbally kind of lay everything out on the table and, and, and talk about all everything that's happening with a peer. Another thing that I think is super important, healthcare providers, mental health providers, even the general public is therapy itself. Like, Let's just rip off the Band-Aid and get over the stigma that's associated with somebody getting help and, and talking to a counselor or a therapist. I mean, I still do it. There are times you know, I go in and out of therapy myself because in order to help other people, i got to have my own head screwed on straight if I'm going to be helpful to anyone else. And the same thing applies for anyone that deals with people in life. You have to have your stuff together if you're, you're if the expectation is for you to help others, but also for you to just feel decent. I'm not even saying feel good. Yeah. I'm saying feel decent. No, no, I get that. I equate it to uh, to an athlete who, uh, like, let's say a, a boxer. Well, a boxer has to see a doctor more often than somebody like myself who's not in that sort of physical environment. Why? Because you're getting punched a lot and a lot of things are happening to you and have to be examined. Somebody in your profession has to go see a doctor, a psychologist more often because you're being punched at. You have all this toxicity, all these horrible things that people are telling you, and you need to get it out of your mind and, and out of your system as well. And I've said this for many, many years, and I really want people to believe this, and I want them to understand this. Um, I worked with a lot of psychologists and therapeutic counselors when I was on the board of a nonprofit that's part charity and part uh, medical practice. And these professionals provide the very specialized therapeutic counseling for the survivors of sexual abuse, regardless mm-hmm. of their ability to pay. And I learned from these people so much uh, about this in the real world. And I had learned from people who are actually survivors as well as those who are caring for them as well. The fact that mental illness is as prevalent as physical illness. It could be a cold. Mm-hmm. It could be a cold. It could be anxiety. It could be cancer. It could be schizophrenia. But there's different levels here. And and I suspect that the vast majority of, mem- of Americans, 90% or more, have had a moment of mental illness. That could be anxiety. It could be a, a panic attack. You know, anything that's maybe not even long-lasting. Or it could be minor anxieties that live on and on and on. And I think it's time. It's way past time for us in America mm-hmm. to accept that and understand it and treat it that way. So that's why I make this analogy. Somebody in your business, you're going to see a doctor, a psychologist more often, you know, to get this, get your mind straight, as you said before, because of all the things that you hear from others, just as a boxer is going to see his doctor uh, or her doctor much more often than you or I would when it comes to a medical doctor. Oh, absolutely. Like I was just talking to my husband. My husband's a great guy, by the way. He's a he's a middle school teacher, and um, he's kind of like the the yin to my yang. Because I'm, you know, I'm productively high strung. That's how I describe myself. But neurotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, listen, I can I can self you know I can self diagnose. I feel like I'm a little qualified. But um, but you know what's you know what's unique about it is I turn around the other day I'm talking to him and I just feel like recently myself. I feel beat up, like mentally, like not like a boxer is physically beat up, but right. I feel drained because uh, it's just, it's constant. You're constantly, you have to constantly be on, just like when you have to constantly like be on the radio and kind of be ready to engage. Like you have to be on and literally ready to, to, t- to be able to hold people's emotions. That's a big part of therapy is in the therapy room. It's not what I say most of the time. It's being able to hold 
somebody's emotions while keeping my own in check. And then at the same time, like kind of like inspiring and empowering people yeah. to to change and like supporting them through that. So, so the bottom line yeah. is, you know, don't worry about the stigma. Just uh, get the help that, that you it. need. Yeah. Dr. Jerry Lynn, appreciate your time. We got to bail. Always love having you on it. I really appreciate it. I certainly think this is helpful for a lot of folks. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Rick. Have a good one. You too.